All right, after a championship week, which is like the Super Bowl, the Red Panda, Big Ten, Big 12, ACC, Big East appearances. Now we're off to the bracket. The field of 68 has been revealed. Tim Kruger, our bracketologist, joins us now. Where Tim was right, where Tim was wrong. We'll be here for the next three-plus hours. Uh, Good morning on this uh, Monday after the reveal. How are we feeling? Tired. <laughs> Everybody says in that. one word. All, in one word. All you guys that do the uh, the brackets and, and and put a lot of work into it, uh, I always get that. Like, yeah, Sunday night, I'm like, oh, there's sleep. I finally found it. But how uh, how was your final bracket that came out on Stadium.com yesterday afternoon? Uh, how did you do compared to the committee releasing it a couple hours later? Um, you know, pretty. In the, I'll be in the middle of the pack on the uh, bracket matrix, probably below that. But I don't really, I don't really pay a lot of attention to that anymore because there's so many guys that just throw in brackets off the consensus. You know, they put in like mm-hmm. five brackets. They don't even do a bracket. They just do a seed list. And then, oh, look at me! You know, um, if you, if you look at like the most of the serious bracketologists, never <laughs> never finish very high on that. But um, okay, I mean, I. I had a lot of trouble with the fives and sixes. Usually, mm-hmm. usually it's the middle of the bracket that's tough. This year, I kind of hammered that and hammered a lot of the matchups. You know, I had a ton of the eight, nine matchups exactly right. Um, but they went away from what most people thought they would do, and they moved up San Diego State and St. Mary's into the five and gave no respect to TCU and Iowa State, which was pretty surprising. Yeah. So there's, you know, as we get to Monday, there's the snubs and the discussion point. You had North Carolina, ironically, North Carolina State and Rutgers as play-in teams, an 11 seed uh, as play-in. North Carolina State, they they got in not as a play-in. They're playing Creighton as a true 11. Rutgers did not get in. And I think I saw, Tim, there were only five that did not have Rutgers in. When you heard the explanation from the committee, were you vibing with why Rutgers is not in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, frankly, this chairman, I didn't listen to a lot of his explanations because he really dodges questions. It doesn't really answer the question. And, you know, if you're if you're doing a bracket and say you put um, Vanderbilt in, okay? Mm-hmm. You can come up with something on that bracket that says, well, here's why I put them in. You know, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. if you left out someone like Rutgers, you can say, well, you know, they had a lot of bad losses. They had the injury, 300 uh, strength of schedule. And they had a lot of good wins too. Uh, so I think you can always come up with an explanation of what you want to do. Unfortunately, like a lot of times the committee, it's not consistent from one group of teams yeah. to another group of teams. And that's, that's the frustrating part, and I get that. I mean, when you're in a room with a bunch of people, um, you know, you have opinions in there, and, and now you throw in the committee that has maybe some strong personalities in there. And there's certainly no doubt that they were sticking it to Buzz yesterday. <laughs> yes, for his comments last year? Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, the it is human nature. I'm sure they, they didn't like what he said last year about the committee. And, you know, there's a lot of returning members and, you know, people have egos. And I, that's the only thing you could, 
the only way you can look at Creighton's resume and Texas A&M's resume and come up to that conclusion, the only thing you could say is Creighton has better predictive metrics and has a better net score. But other than that, everything across the board screamed Texas A&M. You know, the the thing that I I always cringe, and you kind of – you kind of alluded to this with the explanation from the, the committee chair is why, you know, one team may be missed out because I always feel like whether we're going to go ahead and use the net rankings as a tool, whether we're going to look at strength of schedule, whatever it is, the Clemson one was fascinating because again, we're talking about NC state Clemson owned NC state and not just beat them three times, but I mean, beat them bad three times. So I know you said you didn't listen a lot to the explanation, but if you're to make, in your opinion, if you're to make an argument for NC State over Clemson, especially given the head-to-head, where would you maybe lean for NC State? Or do you feel that Clemson, you know, uh, as we typically see every year, maybe got jobbed a bit? Well, Clemson was kind of a forgotten team for a while because they had played so poorly after they had a good mm-hmm. start. Um, and then they kind of came back to the pack. And, yeah, in our mock selection, uh, we had a lot of discussion about that. And I brought that up that, hey, to me, if you're just using logic, mm-hmm. okay, Clemson hammered NC State three times. So three times you would say, hmm, maybe they're the better team. Um, but some of my astute committee members, and by the way, our committee did, committee's bracket did very, very well, um, said, well, it's very similar to Illinois and Penn State. It's just a matchup thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, similar to several years ago, Villanova and Creighton. You know, Vill- Creighton just hammered Villanova twice, but yet Villanova was clearly the better choice over Creighton. Um, <clears throat> so I, I, I understand that argument. Sometimes there's just matchups. And when you looked at Clemson's overall uh, body of work, they just, to me, had too many bad losses. And the thing yeah. that I couldn't get by and a lot of our committee members couldn't get by either, they had a plus uh, 100 strength of schedule mm-hmm. and a plus 300 non-conference strength of schedule. And when you're comparing them to most of the other teams on the board who were in the 50s, 60s, 70s, that was a big difference. Yeah. They played nobody in the non-conference. And I would say probably... You know, if you're trying to parcel it, it's very difficult to do. But if you're trying to pick one thing that this committee did, and others have done too, they kind of they kind of pounded people who had a bad non-conference strength of schedule. Yeah. Rutgers didn't get in. Clemson didn't get in. Um, Kansas State was probably seeded about correctly. But Providence at 289 was, you know, barely made the field. So... There were a lot of teams that got hammered by that, and I think that's probably – I'm all for that. That's that's great. I, I, I totally agree with that. The resumes now with all the metrics we have and all the things we can look at, it's become less, you know, less eye test and more all analytic. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to look at something, I, I'm all for them kind of penalizing teams that don't play a competitive non-conference strength of schedule when they could. Do can does Kansas and their fan base have a valid argument on on being irate at the committee on where they're headed? Absolutely, uh, we consider them very heavily for a one, and so did I personally for an overall number one seed. Um, 
They weren't kind to the Big 12. Let's face it, they, their, their big argument was, well, when you look at the number of opportunities they had, okay, I get that to a certain extent. And I get that Houston really hasn't done anything to uh, lower themselves on the seed list. Mm -hmm. But I just think the overwhelming resume that Kansas had as a number one strength of schedule and to throw up, you know, would they have nine top 25 wins and 15 Q1 wins? I mean, that's just unheard of in this day and age of college basketball especially. And I I don't I don't quite see I, I get I get that Houston didn't have the opportunities. I get that. But that's not Kansas's fault. Mm-hmm. Right? So I, I just don't see why you wouldn't go with the strength. When you look back, you know, Houston that I think I saw something last night. This is the first time they've been a number one seed in how many years, which it's kind of surprising, right? Mm-hmm. But you look back over the other years, and you know, last year they were five seed, and they had a strong, pretty strong resume as well. Um, the committee has never looked at upon them as just saying, "Hey, you know what? You're just not getting the opportunities." I understand that, but we can't give you a break over teams that are getting the opportunities. And so, yeah, I, I think they definitely it was definitely. And you know, I don't think Houston would have been all that upset going west. That's the other thing. Well, and speaking of them, it is interesting that if Auburn is able to take care of business against Iowa at an 8-9, that you get a round of 32 matchup, assuming Houston takes care of business as well, that Houston will have a round of 32 matchup against Auburn and Birmingham. So as as much as they get the, the favorable regional site, did the committee do them any favors there in the in the first round there, in the, in the, uh, the round of 32 especially? Um, a little bit because, uh, well, not really. No, I was thinking they were, sorry, they're in the Midwest. Um, that's something on our mock committee that came up. They said Houston would rather go West because there's a pretty good chance that number two is going to be a pretty strong big 12 team. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Yeah. there is in Texas. And, and then, you know, couple in the in-state rivalry. So they were they were saying you know easier for a Big Twelve fan base to get up to Kansas City than it is Houston. So yeah. it could be more of an you know uh, a home crowdish type advantage. Although those things rarely work out. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, you, you're right. Um, you know, it could have been very easy for Iowa to go to the Des Moines region yeah. too. I mean, that was they were, that was a very close call on, on yeah. our bracket too. Yeah, they were close to being that nine. Mm-hmm. Which, which probably yeah. where Arkansas is that would have got them into Des Moines. Yeah, and then what do you, you know, <laughs> and you really, if you're going to move, uh, you know, you move to Iowa State all the way down to a six, you know, that could have come into play as well. But I, because of Marquette, it, it all worked out um, moving up to a two. So if you would have had Iowa, yeah, um, that would have been interesting, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> boy. Talk about a tough ticket between Iowa and Kansas. Uh, yeah. Uh, why? This is a, a question that always comes up and watching the games yesterday. And fortunately, Memphis and Houston, Alabama and A&M, Purdue and Penn State were already in. But wh- why play your conference championship game on a Sunday? Because it doesn't mean much, right? 
It's very true. I will give the committee, this committee credit. They did do make an effort, and they said it many times throughout the weekend when they had these updates, that, hey, we're taking a break, we're watching games, we haven't settled anything, we want to see what happens. So I think they did take everything into consideration up until Sunday. Um, it's just all TV. That's all it is. You know, the network's got to have something on Sunday, and everybody wants to talk college basketball, so they play their championship games. But it does, you're right, it doesn't do them any good. Um, Purdue loses that game, they're still going to be a one, even though yeah. it was very tight between UCLA. Uh, well, probably UCL dropped off after Arizona uh, lost, but between Texas and uh, uh, Purdue, although the committee still had UCLA five, so it's almost like they, I think they just, I think they just valued the championship in the Pac-12 there, the regular season, which is fine because mm-hmm. they won it by several games. But, you know, Arizona did beat them twice, and frankly, Arizona didn't play very well uh, Saturday and still beat them. Tim, I know you can say this about just about every team because of the I mean, why we love March Madness, and that is the upsets that happen, even a dominant team. You know, we've now seen the 16 over one, so kind of putting all that off to the side and just looking at this Creighton team amongst some of those teams that we're talking about based on what we've seen, not, you know, tournament logic or lack thereof. Does Creighton have one of the biggest ceilings yet biggest floors, especially with what we've seen, you know, a team that could go out in the first round or a team that could possibly make the final four? Great question. Um, I don't know about the floor part. I think they're just, you know, they, they, they are who they are. Um, the, the Xavier performance was a bit puzzling. Um, they didn't seem to come out with any injury. Even, even Max said that after the game with two yeah. players sitting right beside him goes, I don't know. We didn't come out with a lot of energy. That's unexplainable. You know, um, he kind of talked about the late game Thursday. I mean, aren't these college kids? I mean, yeah. couldn't they sleep till noon? I mean, what's what's the deal? I don't I don't get that as an excuse. But um, you know, I, I think what's overlooked there too is when you watch that next game against Marquette, Xavier and, and and Sean Miller said it. I mean, Xavier played really well. I mean, uh, I, I, I you know. They played really, really well against Creighton. They had a great game plan, and, and they, they shot the ball very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, then you turn around and look at Marquette, and they didn't shoot the ball well. You know, maybe they expended a lot of energy. I don't, I don't know. But, um, you know, it's kind of similar to UConn. UConn played 30 minutes against Browder. They, they would have beat any team in the country the way they played that first 30 minutes. Yep. Um, and, you know, then had the, the other 10 that we've seen some of UConn this year. But, yeah, I... You know, if you're going to look at, at Creighton's draw and say, okay, did they get a good draw? Eh, I don't know. Uh, North Carolina State has three really good guards. Um, if Creighton can control them, I, I don't see any reason why they can't get past North Carolina State. Because, frankly, North Carolina State was a team that, uh, up until late Saturday, I had out of the field and mm-hmm. had Oklahoma State in. Um I, I yeah I, I think they're okay there I think they're draw you know you got Baylor and you know obviously you immediately <laughs> rewind back yeah. yep. to the debacle in San Antonio uh, but we've also seen this Baylor team not look very good at times and this isn't the same type of Baylor team but then 
let's say you got to the Sweet 16. Hello, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I think Creighton would want another shot at them if they can play. You know, they've shown they can play the high-level game. If they can play the high-level game they played in Maui, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that particular game, if you've watched Arizona over the past two, three weeks, I mean, what the way Arizona played in Maui and the way they played over the past two weeks, three weeks is a little bit different. And if if Creighton can get, and they're a little bit banged up, Crease has kind of got a shoulder problem, but uh, I think, you know, they'd have to play a very high-level game, but I think they'd like another shot at Arizona. Absolutely. But I could also see a 20-point loss, you know. It yep. just, are the shots falling or not? Yeah, they're an, they're very much an interesting team. Tim, congratulations! This is a long process that you take a lot of uh, you take a lot of effort in and a lot of pride in. And so I appreciate your uh, insight. And uh, now you can get some extra hours of sleep. And I'm sure I will see you out and about watching games now for the next couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. The wife's <laughs> going out of town. Well, the wife's going down to Taylor Swift in uh, Phoenix. So <laughs> what? I got nothing to Sweet. do but watch basketball, baby. I I know where to find you. I'm sure. I yeah, will, I, yeah. Well, I'm it, sure I will see you there. Place, it might be a place that takes money too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> hey, have a great uh, have a great week. I appreciate it. Thank you. We'll see you, Gary. That's uh, Tim Kruger, TK Brackets. Am I going to Taylor Swift in Phoenix? Is she any closer? Hey, that could be fun. It's probably if gonna be a fun girls thing. trip. Yeah. You get Airbnb. Get out. Hey, warm weather. Warm weather compared to what we got this weekend. Yeah, that'd be all right. Love storylines. Patino and Hurley going at each other. Mm-hmm. You got college basketball is courting a 70 year old guy in Rick Patino. Yep. Why? Because he wins. He does win. And, Doesn't look a day over now, 54. And now he's going against Danny Hurley. Hello. And then he's going to go to St. John's. If he, they don't mess it up. Yep. And if a lot of the things that he was sort of tabbed with. For the most part, other than the uh, the whole escort thing, I believe that's still a no no. But everything else, you know, NIL pretty much uh, keeps you keeps you safe. He wins. If you win, there's a lot of places we'll overlook things if yep. you win. And Rick Patino wins, and that's why a 70 year old man who has got a lengthy track record of success in the game of basketball mm-hmm. is being courted. That is rare. That's Rick Pitino. That's St. John's, which needs Rick Pitino. But if they don't mess it up, yeah. so the, the discussion is, he's a, if they make him a priority and they make him feel like he's a priority, then Rick Pitino will be at St. John's. I hope that Georgetown, and I, I, I think Georgetown should pursue Ed Cooley. And I've seen his name very rarely thrown out there. I think I, I was one of the first people to say, man, that's the guy you go after. But if you're Georgetown and you just watched what Penn State has done and Micah Shrewsbury is your guy, you go and get him. Yeah. Because he put on a clinic, not only in Chicago, but he's been doing it. And he's a really, really good X's and O's in-game coach, which you just got rid of a guy that wasn't very good when mm-hmm. the most important part of his day began, and that was the actual game. Georgetown, it's either Ed Cooley to me or Micah Shrewsbury, which then leads to Notre Dame which Shrewsbury's name was attached there to come back to the state of Indiana. I don't know if you're Notre Dame. I think you call Omaha, Nebraska. You make Greg McDermott say, not interested. Which is fair. Make him tell you no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd agree. Now, John Fanta tweeted over the weekend, and it might have been late last week, that Georgetown has their guy, so who is that guy? 
It's either Ed Cooley or Micah Shrewsbury. Yeah. I mean, Micah Shrewsbury. Both great choices. What he's been able to do at Penn State. See, that's the thing about Penn State basketball is you finally got a guy who you love who, you know, has taken that team to a whole nother level. They're in the tournament. By the way, I think they got a bad seed. Yeah. And now you you might lose him. Mm-hmm. But if Georgetown comes calling, I mean, Micah Shrewsbury, think about it. You would add Patino, Shrewsbury to already what you have here. Yeah. Ah, sounds like the Big East. Yeah, the Big East is in a good spot. Question, though. As uh, we wrap up this hour, do you guys consider Cincinnati in the Midwest? No. So you had Marquette and Xavier playing, and you could have had Marquette and Creighton playing, so it would be the first time in the Big East that we've had an all-quote-unquote Midwest final. If it was Creighton and Marquette, yeah. Those are two Midwestern teams. Yeah. Do you guys consider Cincinnati a Midwestern town? Nope. Nope. Kind of, I, I've, always referred to, I've always referred to him as like a mid-Ohio town. Yeah, mid-Ohio, yeah. Great Lakes. Yeah. yeah. That's what I've always thought of uh, Ohio. Ironically, they're coming in the Big 12. Yeah, you know, where, where do you want to go? Midwest, you know, West Coast, East Coast, Remember South, when they had North. the Mid-East region back in the day? Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think we can throw Great Lakes in there, too. Okay, that's, that's okay I was just checking if, yeah. if, no, if Cincinnati Midwest. fell under the category no. of a Midwestern nope. city. Nope, nope, nope. nope. Uh, again, the Big East got some good draws. The Big East has a chance to get some teams to the Sweet 16 because of their draws. And also, get ready, uh, people will get agitated by Shaka Smart. And it's not because of his emotion on the sidelines. Polo in the long sleeve? Yeah, who will be the first to say, (laughs) Shaka Smart has taken the casual look way too far. College basketball is in trouble. (laughs) Do something about it. (laughs) 951-1620. I always wonder... Like, when he's done with the game, does he immediately go to the golf course? Yeah, yeah that's what he looks either like. Either the golf course or he's coaching on the sideline. Yeah. You know, he's he's actually a football coach hey. with the long sleeves. And we have Nick Cronin looking what? sharp in the suit. Hey. Yeah. But to win the regular season and postseason in the Big East. Yeah. That's impressive, man. Shock, good. Shock is back. Shock is back. And we're back after this.